Welcome to Black Body Health, the podcast. This is the show where we come together to talk about the intersection of our health and our culture. Podcasting from South Louisiana, this is Brittany Castine, preacher, pastor, political junkie, and now podcaster. And I am Ideal Ortiz, your co-host with Brittany, hailing from the Bull City and a longtime public health advocate. Welcome, welcome, welcome. Let's get started. Welcome everybody to episode eight, Breast Cancer in the Black Community. This is Ideal, your co-host. And this is Brittany, your co-host as well. And we can't wait to discuss this topic and dive deep into breast cancer, its, its symptoms, its treatments, its various um, myths, and so that we can understand a little bit more about this as we celebrate Breast Cancer Awareness Month this October 2020. Hey everybody, it is Brittany and Ideal here with your current news. Uh, and it seems as though uh, COVID has made some folks to finally be a believer. Uh, if you have not noticed, the President of the United States, Donald John Trump, uh, is now dealing with COVID-19, the coronavirus. Uh, he's even had a hospital stay. He's had a bit of a scare to his health. And now all of a sudden, what was previously known as a great Democrat left-wing hoax is mm. inflicting the president of the United States. COVID ain't nothing to play with. No, it's not. And so I think that one of the things that's striking me um, during this administration and their complete lack um, of desire to expand access to health care through the access to health insurance in this country. Um, you know, Donald, the, the big Donald is going to be able to get whatever treatment he needs and we're going to pay for it while yeah. he is. And I just, I'm just disgusted by the fact that he's going to get this red carpet service um, to keep him healthy from a disease that he till recently um, was acting as if it was just a joke. And you know, it's, it can be largely said that his policies and actions during his time of leadership have led to quite a rise in infection as well as be attributed to how many people have died that we didn't have to have this many people die. And yet here he is, he's gonna get red carpet service. He is going to have everything he needs and he will have denied services and other kinds of resources to, to the rest of the country he is supposed to be um, stewarding. And let's not sleep. Um, you know, all of this is not, none of this is happening in a vacuum. Let's be clear about it. At the very same time that the president is laid up in Walter Reed um, Hospital mm -hmm. with COVID-19, uh, Republican senators on Capitol Hill are plotting their next move with getting confirmed a really extreme right-wing uh, candidate for the United States Supreme Court, by which one of their first things that they are looking to roll back, ding, ding, is Obamacare, right? And so in the midst of a uh. global pandemic, uh, even while the leader of the free world, whomever occupies that seat, and it so happens to be, to the chagrin of so many, happens to be Donald Trump, um, yeah, we are actively seeing some senators plot out the demise of health insurance for 
millions of Americans all over this country. And so uh, this is hypocrisy in its face. You know, the very same policies, uh, the very same practices that Donald Trump has denied all the way from December of 2019 up until a week ago, right? Yeah, mm -hmm. now all of a sudden, uh, the chicken, the chickens have come home to roost. Uh, ain't even got no mac and cheese to go with the chickens. Oh, <laughs> and now he has coronavirus. He has COVID nineteen, and and really, and I just think how irresponsible though. Like when you check out that call, I I encourage all residents of the United States to read up on this this like series of events. Donald Trump had COVID likely or knew he had been exposed to it a lot longer than he has reported it um, in terms of his positive tests. And just the thought nasty. that just he nasty. would, he got everybody together in the Rose Garden. He kept hanging out with a bunch of people, went to fundraisers. Y'all, this man don't care about your life even if you are giving him money. It's crazy. If you're giving <laughs> him money, <laughs> if you're giving him money, if you're getting him a Supreme Court justice, he's going to breathe that, that you know, infectious the breath, the corona breath on folks. I mean, you know, now folks, you know, medical professionals, this is not just me and ideal. Medical professionals are yeah. now saying that it is very likely that the gathering in the Rose Garden to announce Amy Comey Barrett's uh, confirmation to the Supreme right. Court is likely a super spreader event. Right, super spreader. And so oh, they were it smelling was more than the roses up in that garden. They were smelling some coronavirus. They were smelling a future stay in the hospital, likely. Like, my goodness, these yeah. folks. The irony, the sheer irony, mm -hmm. as folks gathered in the Rose Garden, you know, shortly after the death of the iconic um, uh, Ruth Bader Ginsburg, you know, they mm -hmm. gathered, rushed together um, uh, to plot out putting up a new Supreme Court justice who among the first things on her uh, order of business is trying to get rid of uh, Obamacare. It, it, well, it, if you don't like health care that's paid for by the people, then he should reject his own care. I he mean, should he's reject right care from the finest that he's receiving currently and say he doesn't want it because he wants to be in alignment with his values and what he is imposing on millions of Americans who have to go without care. So if you if you want to be that about it, then go ahead and say you don't need to stay there. You don't need to stay at Walker. Go all the way. But I really want to be clear about this one thing. You know, regardless of your political leanings, regardless of your ideology, uh, regardless of your financial status, or like my aunt says, status. Regardless of all of that, COVID nineteen ain't no joke. Um, and we got to be careful. If you want to uh, better understand what you can do to protect yourself, visit the CDC's website visit the World Health Organization's website, take a look mm -hmm. at your state or local or county health department's yeah. website to get some of the greatest information on uh, the kinds of personal protective equipment you need, yes. on uh, appropriate social distancing measures and wearing masks. Um, you know, think through that and be very, very careful. It does not matter what you look at on Fox News. It's still good. It's still very important to wear masks, not just for your own safety, but clearly for yeah. the safety of those around you. Yeah, because these folks in the Rose Garden mostly, largely, chose to not wear masks. If you look at those pictures, most people in that um, gathering were there face 
all bare, all the noses, all the mouths hanging out. It was a mess. And the sheer um, arrogance of it all is even when you look at the the presidential debate that happened. So there's some reports. Oh my God, he got there late and didn't take his test. They let him on that stage on the honor system. He and was, he could have been messing up everybody. But his family was backstage with masks on. But then by the time they got to the floor in the audience, they had taken their masks off. And so it's clearly a calculated political posturing moment uh, of the entire Trump family and the entire Trump administration. But I don't want my people to suffer. Look, I, I want us to be smart about this whole thing. Yeah. Uh, you know, if you feel ill, uh, go on and get tested. Uh, if you need to uh, isolate yourself, uh, go yeah. ahead and do that, do whatever is required. Don't yeah. be like Trump. Uh, you know, yeah. don't don't be like what would Trump do? Whatever you think Trump would do, you might do well to do the very opposite of it because your president <laughs> is tripping right yes, he's now. he's tripping. Yeah. And if you, and aside, and you know, for those of you, uh, we get it. If you're skeptical of the CDC guidelines, listen, there's a lot that we lean on them for. And underneath this administration, people have had a very hard time wondering, you know, if the CDC is getting to tell us everything that they need to tell us. You know, there's even wisdom. Let's let's just go ahead and, and say it. There's some wisdom in African countries who have successfully had to fight back against infectious diseases that are performing quite well at the fight against the coronavirus, against COVID-19. So, you know, go ahead and look at countries that already had systems in place to fight Ebola, for instance, and they have been knocking this thing out the park and um, using their value systems and various um, institutions that they've already set up to fight other infectious diseases and just went on ahead and remixed them and got right into it like a game of double dutch for COVID-19. So they are doing their thing. And so there's lots of great um, models and case studies coming out of various African countries that are doing a really good job against COVID-19 um, from community spread. So, you know, there are places of hope. There are places and resources of hope around that. But for sure, uh, we got to get missed with this whole idea that coronavirus is a joke. So COVID-19 is real. Miss us with this idea that it's a hoax because it has been able to um, infect even the highest office in the land. We're really excited today to start um, this conversation for ourselves, even though this is a common conversation. It is October, y'all. It is Breast Cancer Awareness Month. And we, we would be remiss if we did not also pick up this subject um, because we know that this is a cancer that hits home for many, many people. I wanna go off and say, you know, from my own heart and say that I wanna dedicate this episode to all the people in my life that have been touched by breast cancer um, and a variety of other forms of cancer. You all deserve the research and treatment that preserves your life. And we deserve a community and a world and an environment that does not actually cause cancer in human people. And so I just wanna say that up front at the very beginning. The other thing I wanna say for our listeners is that we're gonna be referring to people as breast cancer patients um, throughout this episode because we just wanna be clear that not all breast cancer patients are women, um, cisgendered or trans um, men. Uh, they can all have cancer. Men can have, cisgendered men can have breast cancer. So all different gender expressions in this world can have breast cancer. If you have breast tissue on your body, you can have breast cancer. And so we want to refer to folks in this particular episode as breast cancer patients, um, because that is a term that is 
more encompassing of the many different types of people who may actually be impacted by this particular disease. So with that being said. And you know, I also think uh, ideal, even as we transition into this, you really put something on my mind, you know, uh, we spent October and a lot of October celebrating breast cancer survivors, which is huge, which is great. Before we do that, I also want to just be clear um, and pay homage to the individuals who succumbed to uh, breast cancer, uh, who uh, were overcome, who died because of breast cancer. You know, uh, you did not die in vain. Your family members did not die in vain. Clearly, uh, there is a lot of information, a lot of research, a lot of learnings, a lot of best practices, um, you know, that we have gleaned over the past several years, uh, in part because of the treatment and the things and the testimonies um, that you and your family members have gone through. So shout out to both survivors but also uh, we want to be clear and pay homage and respect to those who are no longer with us due to passing because of breast cancer. So let's just hop right on in there. It is Breast Cancer Awareness Month here in the month of October. You'll see a lot of folks um, sporting pink. You'll see a lot of um, you know, Facebook cover pages and yeah. temporary profile pictures and all um, about that. You know, there are a few different risk factors when we take a look and think through breast cancer. Um, some of them, you know, you can change. Some of them you cannot change. Uh, the CDC, the Center for Disease Control and Prevention, is an excellent resource for these matters. And so I would encourage those of you who would like to take a deeper dive into breast ca cancer generally, uh, but also more about risk factors and symptoms and all of the information, you know, about testing, uh, check out the CDC's website because they literally are a treasure trove of resources, very important resources that you could consider. And one thing I will say is that, yes, they are a great resource, but I know that there are many people out in the world, including groups like the Breast Cancer um, Action Group, that would say there are some things that are incomplete about what the CDC recommends for folks to be able to advocate for themselves. So while there's great information about what happens at the individual level around breast cancer and some more oversimplified information, the, the CDC really has lacked um, some bolder statements around the environmental causes of, you know, um, breast cancer. And so, you know, they don't have any mention about all these forever chemicals and PFASs that exist in the environment that are impacting people's endocrine systems. They don't really get into that. So there's a whole environmental justice layer of breast cancer that we want you to know. And so, you know, while a lot of the CDC's recommendations are more geared towards individual behavior change, there are some systems and environmental changes that um, various auxiliary groups in the country are pursuing um, against some pretty powerful companies, you know, DuPont or 3M because of the chemicals they use in their various products. And so just know that there's a lot of facets to the breast cancer piece. There's the individual care that you're going to be needing if you are, um, trying to survive a diagnosis that you have received. And then there is also, you know, prevention. And prevention is about that serious upstream um, set of solutions, which often are about contaminants in the air, soil, and water. Yeah. And so certain groups, certain people, um, you know, while this is not 
uh, 100% right for everyone. We encourage you to do your own research and, of course, um, to talk to your doctor and other medical professionals. But uh, one thing is certain, if you have a very strong family history mm -hmm. of breast cancer, um, you may, in fact, have a high risk of getting breast cancer yourself. And so if you fall into that category, you know, it would be great to be proactive, great mm -hmm. to always consult your medical professionals, great to uh, move forward with conducting self exams and other mammograms and other activity just to sort of be in tune with your own body. There are a few other things that um, other risk factors, right? Other things that you should consider um, risk factors that you can change. So not being physically active. Uh, patients or individuals who are not physically active have a higher risk at getting breast cancer. Mm -hmm. um, some forms of hormone replacement therapy, including both estrogen and progesterone, taken during uh, menopause can raise the risk for breast cancer when taken for more than five years. And certain oral contraceptives, right? So birth control pills, they've also been found to raise your breast cancer risk as well. Um, as far as reproductive history, according to the CDC, having the first pregnancy after the age of 30, not breastfeeding, and never having a full-term pregnancy can also raise your breast cancer risk. And also studies show that a woman's risk for breast cancer increases with the more alcohol she drinks. Yeah, alcohol, you know, we talk a little bit about carcinogens and Brittany and I and many of our past work, we've related our work towards um, fighting the tobacco industry because of tobacco's impact on the health of our communities. And so big tobacco, you know, they've known forever, you know, the potential, you know, for at least 50 years before they got sued and called out and brought to the carpet for it, um, what their impact was on people's health. And they were knowingly selling those products to people. Anyway, we know that there is a link. Um, around increased incidence of breast cancer if you are a tobacco user. So that is something that you must absolutely know for yourself that if you want to lower your risk, definitely stay away from the carcinogenic um, substances. That would be tobacco for sure. And then the number two carcinogen in the world dun, 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 is alcohol. And that is wow. known pretty well around the world. Um, and so alcohol use is another thing that can increase your factor. Now, your factors for breast cancer. Now, what I will say is that, you know, uh, Brittany and I earlier um, in this podcast series did a um, show about um, various ways um, that components of our society that are racist become a public health disaster for Black people. And so, you know, when he was sitting there naming these risk factors around, like, if you're not able to go outside, I think about the fact that even though, you know, the disparities are that white women are diagnosed more often with breast cancer, but black women, even though we're not diagnosed as high as they are, that our rates are not as high in diagnosis, we are still more likely to die from it. So, our, so our, our, our diagnosis rates are lower, but our mortality rates are not as good as women when we are diagnosed. So that's really terrible. And it puts me in the mind as I hear you saying about those risk factors, you know, if you're a person of color, you are more likely to suffer from economic ills than if you were a white person in this country. And 
it makes me think, well, if you don't have as much money, you don't get to live in places that are as desirable or safe. And so if you're not in safer environments, you're less likely to go outside. If you're having to work two or three shifts, you're not as able to do the kind of physical exercise that um, might promote better health. And you might live in a community that is more inundated with pollutants that impact your physical health. And so I just think about all these different components from a systems standpoint that help us understand how racism could be impacting, racism as an economic policy, right, in this country, could be impacting the overall health of entire communities of people based on a racial identity. Shout out to one of the throwback episodes that we dealt with the political determinants of health. Oh, yeah. Bringing us back around to that. But, you know, it's really real about the disparities within the uh, various populations, particularly uh, African-American women uh, with respect to incidents and mortality. And so, you know, that really underscores the importance of us and uh, our family members, our moms, our sisters, our wives, uh, and others to be really vigilant about our own health. And so there are a few different symptoms that I just want to walk us through if we start, um, you know, if you are concerned in some kind of way. Of course, different people have different symptoms, but some people have absolutely no symptoms at all. Um, But some of these things are clear warning signs that you would want to explore further and get checked out. So and you don't need to wait until your 40s to be paying attention for these symptoms, you know. Absolutely. Yes. Yeah, so we want to just, you know, shout out to the Bring Your Brave campaign for women under the age of 45. You too. We we all need to be, you know, people. Let's say that, right? Let's go back to the promise we made at the beginning of the episode. People under the age of 45, men, women, and everyone in between definitely need to be Um, depending on how you assign your gender, definitely need to be paying attention to to these symptoms because even though it might be rare in certain cases for you to be under 45, early detection is really important to survival. It's very important. So a few warning signs include uh, a new lump in the breast or in the underarm, your armpit area, Um, thickening a swelling of part of the breast, irritation or dimpling of the breast skin, Um, redness or flaky skin in the nipple area of the breast, Um, uh, nipple discharge other than breast milk, including blood, any change in the size or the shape of the breast, or even pain in any area of the breast. Now, please keep in mind that although these are some uh, symptoms that you'll want to have checked out and have some uh, level of concern about, but these symptoms can happen with other conditions that are not cancer. Um, And so there may not be a a need to uh, go full out and think that you have cancer, but there are certainly things that you will want to get checked out uh, by a medical professional, by your doctor uh, right away. Yeah, definitely. And I think that, you you know, it's really easy, um, given all the information that you're about to receive in the month of October or that you receive year round from a variety of campaigns that seek to educate folks. Brittany, can we do a little bit of like myth busting about some things that um, we might hear like around, you know, the yes. kitchen counter or like outside on the porch with our friends and people just try to pass that off as like legit information. And so like, I know for instance, like I have heard, Oh, well, you know, if nobody in my family has ever had cancer, then I don't have to worry about it. I don't have to worry about getting it. So actually most people diagnosed with breast cancer have no known family history. Woo. 
that's kind of like eye-opening because there's so much emphasis now on like doing that gene testing to see if you need to um, pursue possibly like removal of your breast tissue if you have that gene. And I think there's so many news stories that's done about that. It overemphasizes this aggressive kind of treatment pattern that people pursue after they get wind of this particular set of genes if they have those in their um, in their DNA. And so you're saying most people diagnosed don't have a family history. And that's kind of a shock to me, given the emphasis of that um, yeah. and a lot of like community conversations, not necessarily by health professionals themselves, but just like oh, around the way and on the block. Okay. So another one that I've heard a lot, and this goes back to like the the myth, the, 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 the individual sort of blame for cancer is that, oh, you, you got cancer because you ate too much sugar and like sugar is what sort of like fed your cancer. Yeah. So, you know, I have a lot of thoughts about sugar and at, maybe mm-hmm. at some time, at some other point, we'll have a, uh, you know, another uh, talk around diet and sugar and, the, you know, all of those different things that we put into our body and what it does to us. But there's no evidence that sugar in the diet causes breast cancer. Mm. So the other thing I've heard is that like having your mammograms guarantees that breast cancer gets found early. So, I mean, although mammography is a a great tool, in fact, uh, some would argue it is the very best early early Mm -hmm. detection tool that's out there. It does not always find breast cancer at an early stage. So Mm -hmm. yeah, go out and get your mammogram, of course, but know that that does not always capture early uh, uh, breast cancer. Yeah, my gynecologist has always stressed the importance of doing your own self-exams in the shower because then you um, are comfortable with your own um, breast tissue and like you know what it's like from day to day. So if there's something that changes, your being in touch with your body that way allows you to notice changes a lot more quickly And so that's just something that um, I think along with mammograms is probably a really good idea. And if you have like lumpier breast tissue, I've heard that the the mammograms can miss things because there's just so much that shows up on the screen that isn't always um, easy to see the cancer. One of the things you said that really stood out, and I've heard lots of people, you know, men, women um, say this often, uh, I know my body. And I think that's a huge thing in just really knowing your own body, uh, the nuances, how you feel, how you smell, um, your level of energy, just being really in tune with your body can not just help you catch things when it changes, but it also puts you in a position to be able to best advocate for yourself whenever it is that you're dealing with medical professionals and others who are trying to help you um, diagnose what's going on in your body. That's right. Okay. So the next thing I might hear is that breast cancer always causes a lump. Like the lump is the thing that you have to be looking for. So breast cancer might not cause a lump, uh, particularly whenever it first develops. Mm-hmm. Breast cancer only happens to middle-aged and older women. Well, um, younger women can and do get breast cancer as do men. And I deal, this goes back to something that you um, helped us explore on the way in on this particular topic. It is that particularly with black women, right? Um, In many instances, we have to, our black women have to take a look a little bit earlier 
um, than other groups. And of course, we also know that men are also able to get breast cancer. If you have breast tissue, yes. uh, then you are. You, if you you're human with some breast yes. tissue, you That's could have right. breast cancer. We have breast cancer. Um, all right. So another one might be that like early stage breast cancer rarely comes back. It rarely recurs. Well, even with early stage breast cancer, there's always some risk that the cancer will or could return. Uh, now, I got one for you because I just can't let this go. We've <laughs> touched on it a number of times, but I have to know for sure about men and breast cancer. So I've heard many times over uh, that men don't or can't get breast cancer. What do you think about that? And I say that the fact is that men may not think of themselves as having breasts, but but um, their breasts are actually what they refer to as their pecs. Um, but the fact is that men have breast tissue. Cisgendered men have breast tissue. So men can get breast cancer in 2015, about 2,350 new cases of invasive breast cancer and 440 breast cancer deaths are expected to happen among men. So that's why this um, term breast cancer patients, that is for men and women and um, a variety of different genders. That is just not just for women. Wow. Wow. And so, it, uh, you know, it seems to be that even with breast cancer in men, as I looked at some of the research that was put out by the CDC, many of the symptoms are very similar to those, um, you know, experienced by women with breast cancer. I'll go through them real quick. Like the most common symptoms of breast cancer in men are a lump or swelling in the breast, redness or flaky skin, irritation or dimpling of the breast skin, nipple discharge and uh, pulling in of the nipple or pain within the general uh, nipple area. Those are all very similar, if not the exact same, as those experienced with women uh, who have breast cancer as well. Mm -hmm. So we want to go back to, you know, now we've heard some symptoms, we've done a little bit of myth busting, and um, I want to swivel a little bit to like treatment since that's a big thing that people are often worried about like maybe i shouldn't know because god knows what's going to happen to me afterwards and there have been advances in treatment um but you know it is true that the disparities um even though we've gotten better at screening um black and brown people who are interested in whether or not they have breast cancer even though we've gotten better at that screening, we haven't necessarily gotten better at treating uh, folks of color. Um, and that might be some of the explanation for the disparities. So we want you to know about some of the options. Obviously, there's surgery to remove tissue where the cancer occurs. There's chemotherapy, which is meant to shrink or kill the cells. There's a variety of different hormonal therapies and biological therapies radiation therapy that kills cancer cells. There's a ton of different options that are available these days. So despite the fact that there are these different treatment options, we do want to mention that Black women are underrepresented in clinical trials, and that may have that may mean less access to some of the most promising therapies because we just don't know if they're as effective on Black people 
who have breast cancer and present for treatment. So we just want to go ahead and say, we know that there is a historical um, mistrust of the medical system and especially clinical trials work given some of the racialized history um, and abuse um, of Black people by the medical um, health system. And so we just wanted to mention that, but we know that it's going to take a lot of overcoming that history and working to build trust, getting more Black people enrolled in trials so that the medications and treatments that are created are better serving our community. So one of the things that we've talked about a bunch is that while breast cancer mostly occurs among older women, uh, in some cases, breast cancer does affect women under the age of 45. And so, in fact, 11% of all cases of breast cancer in the United States are reported in that under 45 age group. Um, risks for breast cancer among young women varies, of course, based on a host of factors such as family and personal history of cancer. And many young women do not know their risk for this disease or they're not aware of ways to lower their risk. So the good folks at the CDC um, introduced this Bring Your Brave campaign. And, and the Bring Your Brave campaign really is out to provide information about breast cancer to women who are younger than 45 by highlighting their stories, by sharing their very real stories uh, about women whose lives have been affected by breast cancer. And so the one that we really wanted to talk about today was Carlita's story. So Carletta, she was 41 years old. She's featured in the Bring Your Brave um, campaign. She was 41 years old when she was in the middle of training for a triathlon. She found out that she had breast cancer during that time. And she really remarks that it was the support of her friends and family that kept her strong, kept her brave, and kept her motivated during that tough journey um, through several rounds of chemotherapy. Eventually, she has been able to consider herself cancer-free. Actually, her last treatment ended in 2011, and she has been able, thank God, to be able to go forward and complete her first triathlon. So big ups to Carletta as a part of the Bring Your Brave campaign. She lives out in Georgia, and she maintains herself as an active person um, competing in several competitions. So shout out to her for moving on forward. But I think the key takeaway from that is that she wrapped herself in support. And for um, breast cancer patients of color, that is a essential part of being able to get through this um, positively and hopefully alive. Um, and that's a big, big thing that we hope for all um, breast cancer patients. Well, thanks everybody for joining us today on Black Body Health, the podcast. It's Whitney and Ideal here, and we had a robust conversation today on all things you need to know about breast cancer, breast cancer awareness, and what you can do to help lower the risk among yourself and on the people that you love. Until the next time, thank you for joining today, and we'll talk to you a little bit later. Your vote. Our vote matters. Voter suppression is real, and it has always been used to silence our voices. In the upcoming election, don't let anyone steal your voice or your vote. Double check that you are still registered by visiting rockthevote.org and ask a friend if you need a ride to the polls. Not only does your vote matter, but your vote is needed. Plan to vote November 3rd or vote early if you can. We are all created equal, 
and we all have an equal voice in the voting booth. Don't let anyone stop you. Visit rockthevote.org for more information. Well, that wraps up this episode of Black Body Health, the podcast. Until next time, this is your co-host, Brittany. And ideal. You have a great day. Thanks for tuning in. <laughs>